0: Hello and welcome to Potshot. I'm Alex Towles and it's been another weekend of Arsenal dropping points. This time though, we decided to flip the script ever so slightly and go 2-0 down instead of 2-0 up against Southampton, pulling it back to draw 3 all As always, I'm joined by Alex Collings and Sebastian Hunt. Hello lads, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Yeah. Good, how are you? Awesome. Uh, I I realised saying that that um introducing it as as always is a bit disingenuous given that it's happened once. But we'll we'll gloss over that and introduce our fourth member for today, Lorcan Reese. Hello man, how you doing? Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on. No worries at all.
0: Uh if you do not know who Lorcan is, here's a prominent member of the arsenal twitter community he he tweets about our tactics he tweets about general premier league tactics he tweets about the kind of um, wanky sounding tactical <laughs> nonsense that you know we love on this podcast so we of course we had to have him on eventually and let's give him the opportunity to talk some wanky sounding tactical nonsense lawkin what did you make of the southampton game
1: um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, another pretty emotional game. Uh, I actually didn't watch the last 10 minutes live. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as you said, we dropped points again. Um, it doesn't even feel like we we gained one. Um, uh, and I think, I, I mean, as we were saying, there's, there were quite a lot of tactical issues. I think a lot of individual mistakes, a lot of temperament related problems, which we'll uh, doubtless get into as the podcast goes on. Um, I think the first one we'll probably start with is is having two high aids. Um I think there there are quite a lot of particulars uh when Shaka plays with us and when he drops next to Partey in the pivot. Um it's I mean understandably Vieira isn't really acquainted with that um yet. And I still don't feel like Odegaard really um commands that much respect in the first phase to get us out of pressure. Um and then when we lost the ball, which I mean we'll we'll talk about it but uh individual mistakes and such it we really I mean it seemed to me we really um lack central compactness in the middle with with both our eights pushed high
2: yeah it's actually a weird one I was speaking with Lorcan beforehand because I remember last time we spoke about the placement of our eights on this pod was actually after we played Southampton in the reverse fixture and I remember speaking with John McKenzie friend of the pod um after the game, we were speaking about how the issue was that the eights weren't pressed, like positioned high enough early on, which wasn't pinning the opposition team back and the issues were coming from there. And it's kind of funny, just as an aside, that literally the opposite has happened now and that our eights were too high. And because of how we were building out, basically, there was this gap between that meant we couldn't really control play and build out properly. And so it's a completely like complete switch of the problems that we faced compared to last time we played Southampton.
0: In a common story for my recent life, uh, I was at work during this game, and so I did not watch any of it live. I caught the last half hour or so on the radio driving home, uh, and from all the social media like reaction to the game, from the way the talk sport people sounded on the radio when I was listening on the way home, because that's how... That's who was doing the live commentary. (laughs) It sounded like another case of Arsenal being panicky, rushed in possession. Not really having the composure that we need, uh, which is something we've become a bit of a theme of the last couple weeks. But, like, watching the game back, it didn't really feel like that. Like, we went behind, like, straight away through stupid fucking error but it is what it is uh and it didn't I, I don't know if it's just the the way i was watching it back but it just didn't feel like as rushed it felt like us playing the way we normally do just we were one goal down from immediately uh sab what did you make of this we've talked a lot on in the last couple of weeks about our control or lack of of games recently um do you think we were rushing or do you think it was a bit better
3: practice this my saying that i haven't watched the game back so a lot of the things are out of watching for the first time with emotion but i think some of it is just a symptom of just how we play we are just more direct than other possession teams are But it did feel as though the the early goal did rattle us in the sense that we were trying to immediately pull pressure back and not really consolidate as much as just go at them immediately first time. Like the the 10 minutes after the goal really felt like it was sort of the last 10 minutes of the game pretty much. So So I, I think some of it is just ingrained in how we play and some of it is down to the root cause of having another Big incident in the first
2: 50 seconds of a football game see that's that's interesting in terms of like being ingrained in terms of how we play right because i i think what it was is when we talk about panicky i actually don't think there's this panicky sort of nature about like trying to force ourselves back in the game and getting panicked about if we don't you know the sort of thing that i think does often affect t- at sides at this point in the title race has affected us in the past i think it was more the nature of the tactics that we were using and where players won on the pitch and having guys like Partey who are just very vertical from the early phases so the ball moves quicker. I think Holding also being under more pressure. We went long quite a few times with him where it just kind of got cut out and it makes it far more of a direct game. Um, so I don't think it's like necessarily ingrained or so much as it just the players that we actually had. I, I say that in one sense thinking like if we had Jorginho, rather than Partey in that base thing. I think it would be in a very different way in terms of which we try to get back into the game, not necessarily rushing and just, you know, going along to try get that goal back. And then in the other senses, also as, as Lorcan was speaking about, in terms of the high eights, when you have Partey kind of going vertical, you have Holding not actually being that um in charge of dictating the ball. So what happened was Partey dropped even deeper than he normally does. And then guys like Odegaard, who I would have actually hoped would drop deep and be more involved in that sort of first you know, build-up phase, but like that middle of the pitch dropping in, he wasn't. So it just creates maybe a panicky sort of effect because we weren't very good at connecting from the build-up into the part of play where you're actually trying to get into the final third and create play. So I think that was more of an issue. I'm not sure, Lorcan, if you have thoughts because you brought up the high eights thing about how much that actually dictated how the game played out tactically
1: yeah yeah i think i mean i i think um i mean not we underestimate you probably all know but shaka uh insofar as when he chooses to um you know shuttle back down next to the pivot and settle defense, settle defense or um is part of the the pressing unit that engages um the opposition and build up Vieira was just seemed to always be as part of that front five pressing unit um as you said uh Party being so um, understandably um, concerned with screening the back line was really deep, um, and then their wingers were so wide that our fullbacks really could didn't um, push up next to our pivot. Um, so there was just there was so much space uh, between the lines, and I think as well like um, we tend to think of the Saliba and and Gabrielle partnership as 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 Gabrielle being the aggressor. And Saliba more so the sweeper, but um I mean depends on matchup as well. But Saliba is so much of an aggressor when he needs to be as well. Like if you think the the Fulham game um against Mitrovic against Tony, um holding just doesn't the line like he doesn't control the line. Um our line is all I, I don't think that our, our the height of our defensive line was actually too bad, but um you can just see he just doesn't Control the line at all, and he's often behind it.
2: I think there's two things for me that are, are huge in terms of what Siliba brings to the side. And just by not having Saliba and having holding there, we lack. Is one of those things, as I, I agree with you, like we see Saliba as the sweeper, and he is out of the two, but he's also, he can be the sweeper because he has incredibly good judgment on when he needs to push up, yeah, how much he needs to push exactly. up, or when he needs to go back. Holding doesn't make that decision nearly as quickly. And then the other thing is, and maybe this is moving a little bit away from your point, but why in the past few weeks teams have been able to start an attack and kind of push an attack further down to maybe something fruitful once they get into our third. is Saliba, kind of like Van Dijk is another guy that I think of, is really good at when he's defending on the retreat, on herding where he wants the opposition attack or opposition attacker that he's, he's up against, where he wants him to be in order to kind of strangle out, suffocate the attack. Holding doesn't have that at all. He kind of just, when he decides to step off, which I think he's trying to do because he knows he has to do that at times now in the role he's playing, he doesn't really hurt it in any way. He's just stepping off for stepping off sake. And it means the opposition attacks can just get closer before having to make some sort of decision about what the next play is, rather than when it's Saliba actually cutting down their, their options to the point where the attacker thinks okay, now I'm not going to get to Lee, but at this point, I should make a pass. There's only really one pass available to him, unless he does something fantastic, which, yeah, happens on occasion, but not always, right? Now it feels like he always has more options, the guy that would be going up against Holding in this situation.
0: Talking of Holding, let's chat about that first goal. I mentioned it earlier, and how it was a stupid mistake, and it got picked up on online by quite a few people saying that if Saliba was on the pitch instead of holding, Ramsdale would not have tried to make the line-breaking pass to Zinchenko and would instead have just played the simple ball to his right to Saliba. Alex, do you agree with that assessment?
2: <laughs> I was hoping you go to someone else first because I think you know where I stand because I had a discussion with Aaron Monies, who sometimes listens to this pod so... Hi, Aaron. Um, but yeah, Aaron thought that it was kind of a being overly finicky with the point that it would probably be, be passed to Saliba if Saliba was in Holdings' um, position, you know, playing instead, and therefore the goal wouldn't have, have been a goal, right? I actually think it. we never really know, and it is a small point to point out. And I think actually there were two other players who made mistakes in that situation. I think obviously Ramsdale made an error. I don't think the pass was on. I also think Zinchenko, who was asking for the pass... Should have seen that that was not really a pass to go for. And kind of the reason our Ramsdale makes the passes because Zinchenko is de- demanding it. Um, not everyone can make those sort of through body passes like he does, right? But we've seen over and over and over that Ramsdale to Saliba deep pass, especially recently, where we've actually been kind of taking on these Dezerbian uh, sort of tactics of trying to draw defenses onto Saliba and then playing through the press like that. We've seen that often where Ramsdale, at least to my eye, plays that pass to the right centre-back, who would be Saliba, and then we manage to play through it like that. That actually did happen in the West Ham game. I don't know if you guys remember that sequence where Ramsdale passes out out to Holding. Holding kind of panics a little bit. He's not even under much pressure yet. He passes it back to Ramsdale. Ramsdale passes it back to Holding. Holding, again, doesn't really know what to do. Passes it back to Ramsdale and then think Ramsdale clears it or something or or finds the pass to somewhere else. But I think... These things, players are players, right? I think when you think, okay, this guy's the least confident on the ball that I pass to out here, whereas one of the most confident guys on the ball is demanding the pass, I think you get these situations. Players will try make those passes. I think if he thinks, Saliba's there, I always make this pass. It's a, It always works out. Then he'd make that pass to Saliba. So I do think, obviously, this isn't Holding's fault at all. I'm not blaming Holding for the goal. Yeah. But I'm saying these are small ways in which the defense does struggle more by virtue of not having someone like Saliba in the side. So, so yeah. I'm not sure if you guys, Seb, or Loh, can agree with that logic or not, but I think that's kind of where I stand on. Even the small factors, we are a weaker team because of it.
0: Yeah, they're quietly nodding <laughs> <away>. <laughs> Which is really helpful in an audio-only audio format.
1: I, I think uh, all the, like, the, the minutiae in the first phase as well, like the negative touches that Saliba does, people yes. don't necessarily pick up on it when they're watching the game I'm sorry
0: what is a negative touch
1: just like um want to invite pressure for example um i mean uh alex t- or, uh touched on sort of like the deserving things but i i I think it's um i didn't watch him when he played in france but i think it's something from what i've heard from other people he, he picked up, up in france yes um
2: under under Sampaoli,
1: actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a touch to intentionally trigger the opposition press.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's something he does really, really well. we've spoken about this before, but this is part of like these are the small things where I think when we compare Saliba to Gabriel, I know generally most people seem to think at this point now that Gabriel's been the best our best defender and best centre back. Performing wise, yeah. Yeah, whereas I actually do think it's been Saliba for the small things that he gives us. But yeah. I agree completely. I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's a toss
0: up.
3: I think it's easier to frame the question around who would we miss less when they're gone, right? And I think in that sense, it's a toss-up, but it's Gabriel, I think, just about who we would miss less.
2: I agree with that. Do you think it's purely down to just the fact that we only have really one centre-back in Saliba's mould and what he offers the team? Or do you think it's also... I guess it comes into it. It's always it's always a bit of both, right? Yeah, sort I mean, he just has a, has a
3: one a greater responsibility set in his role, which is obvious. And then it's also a case of ha- him having the less applicable backup in terms of being able to fulfill that role.
0: I haven't seen enough of Kivio, frankly, to really know because obviously we've seen the drop off when we lose Saliba. We haven't really seen the drop-off, with these Gabriel. Uh, so, I don't know. May- maybe someone will have to go and break his shins, and we'll find out. <laughs> I'm joking. Please don't. So, another small way in which we've adapted to Holding's presence in the side is that we've started to bring our midfield, particularly Partey, back a little bit more in early phases of build-up. When we had Saliba, you'd see... Because of Saliba's ability on the ball, our midfield would be able to be a little bit further up. With holding in, it feels like Partey and Zinchenko are dropping back a little bit more to help out in early phases of possession. Lorcan, how do you think this affects our ability to impose ourselves on the opposition?
1: I think it is worth noting. I think we, we've we been doing a little bit more of this, uh, even with Saliba in the side, just to like switch things up. Um, sort of particularly Partey, and at times Jorginho sort of be the right centre back, but that's I think that's more to unleash White um, down the right. Um, in this game, um, yeah, I think uh, I I can only think it is um, a concerted instruction from from Arteta um, in acknowledging the build up issues that Holding brings because uh, he does bring a lot. Um, And then the distance between our interiors were horrible, just with both high eights and then Partey um, coming back uh, into the first line. And then that, of course, I think, um, from there, Jesus sometimes dropped. So it just it had a knock on effect with with the whole build up.
2: Even to add, one of the problems was with with Gabby J dropping in so deep, weirdly even where maybe in situations where Odegaard should be dropping in, is then when we did get the ball high over, so one of the times it went to I think about 17 minutes in, is Gabby dropped deep. And then we got back to holding, who wasn't under pressure, and he can play a good ball when he's not under pressure. He unleashes Saka down the right, like in behind, which is great. Um, but the fact is that, that we were basically just at two versus like five or something, two versus four and Saka's out wide without sort of a runner in Gabby J, who would have been able to support but couldn't because he dropped deep into the pivot, basically. Um, And then we were just isolated out with Saka, who, because he's great, manages to keep it under pressure and pass. I think it's Odegaard, and a shot does come from it, but not the optimal sort of chance that would have come if Gabby J was ready to make that run and was positioned well at the point where Holding does play it over, which he couldn't because to get to that point in the first place, he had to drop deeper to kind of relieve holding or relieve parts and then holding of pressure. So it all kind of, as Lorcan was saying, it all plays into each other. How we build out ends up taking a man out from the front line and then leaving us. Even when we do manage to get these plays in behind, no one actually making those supporting runs. Which Gabby J was helping a lot with. If you even look at our our first goal, it part of the reason that Martinelli has so much space to get on to the end of the soccer cross is because Gabby j makes that run across, pulls all of their men, their space for Martinelli to shoot. So you can kind of see how that same thing could have happened, but it couldn't because Gabby j wasn't there.
0: And I, I think it's really important to say here that we're not saying we don't like it when Jesus drop, drops back. The thing is when he's dropping back to swap with, say, Jaka, or to write back into into the very earliest build-up phases. Because earlier in the season, when he was dropping back, he'd still be... He'd be dropping back a line or so, but he'd still be high up enough that he can make those deep runs and be a runner in those moments. Whereas at the moment, it feels like... Because he's dropping so far off, as you say, he can't then get forward in time to rejoin.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm also thinking, like, maybe... I don't know if you guys have opinions, but maybe should that... Is that down to the rotations not replacing Gabby J dropping in? I mean, I actually don't know what Erdogan was doing in that sequence trying to think back. I think he was just kind of positioned weirdly. But maybe Fabio... Maybe someone like Jaka would have moved forward sensing the opportunity where Fabio didn't. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I can't remember who I saw talking about it. So I apologise to the person who I fully intended to credit, but I can't remember who twoted it. Yeah, like we did this uh, earlier. was talking about... Yeah. Oh, it was Sav. It was Sav. Fred Lepod Sav, Uh, who... Talking about how Fabio doesn't quite seem to get the rotations yet. Like, he seems still to be quite individualistic in how he plays and, like, does his own stuff, which is great, because it's got him a lot of goal involvements, especially in the final third. But when we're going through these build-up phases, he doesn't quite know where to be. Um, Seb, do you think... How, how big of a problem do you think this is at the moment, especially when he's replacing Xhaka?
3: Yeah, I think that's the main issue that he's replacing the guy who knows and facilitates these rotations better than anyone else in the team, basically. Like, he, granted, has the best understanding of where he needs to position himself to facilitate everything else in the team. And having him out is a problem because we just don't have anyone else who is able to do those things to the same degree because it's not just him in in offensive situations where we are running the rotation, it's in transition situations where he knows when to drop into the double pivot and also just small things like him being able to use his body well to relieve pressure and to um, draw fouls be- by just putting his body between defender and the ball.
2: Yeah, I agree with a lot of that, to be honest. Especially the defensive transition stuff, but um, also the point that you make about drawing fouls. I think that's probably an underrated part of what Shaka actually does in in terms of controlling like the tempo of a match. Which maybe going back to um, Tal's impression, at least from via Talksport, that we were too frantic or panicky in the first game. Um, maybe, Don't maybe worry, I have watched the game, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but maybe maybe that was maybe that's also where it comes into where guys like. Fabio I don't really try to do that. Ha- I have to say though, I kind of I do see a lot of promise in his movement, especially down the seams. I think he can be really dangerous. I think actually shortly before he was he got subbed off. And maybe I am trying to see the positives too much, but he was making some really nice movements. The problem is he was almost trying to be too cute when he was on the ball in those spaces, but actually accessing those spaces as the time the ball was coming to him wasn't wasn't the issue there at least. At least for me, I think one of the bigger issues was not really knowing when when you had to be in, um, in the phases before in the build-up phase, dropping in, being there to receive. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. I think all of this being said as well, um, maybe the wor- rotations didn't appear as fluid, but we were so dangerous down the left-hand side in the first half. That's where we generated most of our chances before, like siphoning it off to an isolated Saka. But I think the main the main issues with sac- with Shaka's absence are sort of, like, defensive screening, uh, and then, as you just said, like, knowing when to shuttle down as a recycling option. Yeah, As
0: Seb mentioned, we don't really have that like-for-like Xhaka replacement in the squad, which does leave us with these high eights kind of being our only option to replace him. And yet, the inclusion of Vieira in the starting eleven on Friday was still a point of contention for some people. Lots and lots of calls were made for Emil Smith-Rowe to being in that starting slot instead, and quite a few people were confused by Vieira's starting instead. Uh, Alex, why do you think Fabio Vieira started instead of of Smith-Rowe, and
2: do you think it was the right decision by Arteta? I think Arteta's a much bigger fan of Fabio Vieira than most people seem to think he is. I mean, he speaks very highly of Fabio. And I think on the other hand, he's maybe not as big a fan of Smith Rowe as the fan base is. Um, and I'm sure that comes to behind the scenes stuff because Arteta has been quite pointed in the comments that he's made about Smith Rowe needing to prove it in the, you know, in the training ground and stuff like that. So I wasn't surprised at all um, to see Fabio start over Smith Rowe. I-, I expected it. Um And Fabio's played, you know, as a starting left centre mid or left eight a couple times already. Um, But I do think it was the game for Smothrow. I think he's much better dropping deep. He's more running power, which I think is also a big thing that Jaka does bring that people don't necessarily see. Um, But I think he's comfortable. He's more attracted to the ball than Fabio actually is, which would have been a nice natural solution when we got that maybe to get on the ball. He can take it on the turn. He can carry it a bit better um, in, in terms of vertically. So I think, I mean, I didn't have too much. I would have preferred Smith-Rowe to start, um, maybe just as a fan of Smith-Rowe. But in hindsight, I think he would have been the better option from the start in terms of what he brings. Um, and then definitely he would have been the sub I made. I think that was more where I had a contention where they brought trussa on. I got the thinking in terms of using that control to kind of open up space. I don't think it really worked out that much. But I did feel like it was a game, kind of crying for what Smith Rowe could bring, even from from a left eight position. So I think it has something more to do with maybe even his fitness. I'm not sure. Um, but Arteta not particularly fancying, fancying Smith Rowe at the moment.
3: This does seem to be a thing, though, right? Like there's a very clear currently in the group and not in the group currently a situation. Yeah. Where so like since he came in. Like the most obvious example this season is Reese Nelson, who's basically replaced him in the usual substitution rotation situations. There,
1: I think because I mean we were referencing the rotations before. I don't think um, Arteta particularly likes having two, as it were, wrong-footed interiors. He likes having that strong-footed underlap, where you know Shaka on the left, or in theory Smith Rowe on the right. Um, yeah, so I wasn't expecting it. I I totally get what um Alex is saying re um it being the game for Smith Rowe. I thought I thought Trussard was pretty good. Um I just yeah, I don't know if something's going on behind the scenes. He's really not getting that much game time. Um I hope it is a um a fitness related issue because I I mean, I I think he's amazing. And I I still cling on to the idea that Arteta does as well. <laughs> I'm just interested, would you have put Trossard
2: on instead of Smith-Rowe? Because I get them not starting, but in that situation?
1: I, in a vacuum, maybe no. But in the context, yeah, definitely I wanted Trossard to come on. Okay. And I think, I mean, I was, I was particularly looking at Trossard um, this morning when I was watching back the game. Um, and for me, Trossard does his best work when he's closer to goal and stuff. But he's also like, I think he's even better than Jesus in... Um, with regard to, like, his angle access. Like, he opens up so many angles Um, when he receives between the lines. And he was actually pretty good Um, retaining the ball and circulating it. So, yeah, I, I think Trossard worked as that sort of... I mean, it was like that eight um slash false line.
2: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Maybe I need to watch back that more closely because I felt like what he's really good is that, that angle access you're speaking about. Kind of, you can receive it and then he can put it up at any angle, which just makes us so much more... Yeah. But I felt like that game, maybe we needed more like on receiving
1: that impetus pushing forward and maybe yeah. that late movement of the ball. Um, I, think, I think you definitely have a point because we, I, I mean, I, when I was listening back to the commentary, they said, um, I've got it. We got one one attempt on goal in the second half by the 73rd minute, yeah. um, which is pretty atrocious. And I, it didn't feel like we had anyone sort of driving with the ball um, and engaging their last line, which, you know, is something Smith Rowe can do really well so i I definitely get that yeah
0: let's uh pull our focus back a little bit and, and talk about the general trend which has been brought to light uh especially by our friends at tifo and john mckenzie of we're shit defensively now to be blunt um and it's not just because holding's come in recently since the world cup We've been on a downward trend with our defensive efficiency, shall we say, and that's only been exacerbated by losing Saliba. But if it's been since the World Cup, the loss of Saliba can't be the only problem with our defending. Lorcan, why do you think our defensive numbers have been so bad recently?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still, like, I this might be naive, but I still feel like it's, um like, a very contingent thing rather than anything you can, you know, point to, like, a macro thing. I think, um, I mean, how many goals have we conceded from corners at home, by the way? Like, that must be, like, three or four since the World Cup, which is seems pretty atrocious. I think, as well, someone made the point of, um, I think Ramsdale and Gabrielle both play better away from home for whatever issue. I think that's a temperament related um, issue. Um, Game Ram State so obviously comes into it. He sort of primes himself on the agitation from the away yeah. crowd to keep himself focused. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's it. He's a crazy guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I literally made, I made this as a joke as a tweet a couple of weeks back that like Ramsdale... We just need to like the Emirates faithful to start abusing him, and then maybe he'll play better because he likes to be that antagonist. But it, like, it's a well, obviously not getting abused by the Emirates faithful. But I do think he does actually. He's the one I'm kind of most sure plays well away from home because if you look at some of these crazy saves he's putting off away from home, and then um, also he's had a couple of like most of our clean sheets are away from home by a lot. It's like eight away from home and like four at home and something like that, which is. Usually you expect it to be the reverse. And then and then at home you see these sort of brain gaffes like like the one within the first minute of this past game. So I definitely buy into at least Ramsdale being a bit asleep at home and not so much away. But yeah.
0: Let's get the entire Emirates crowd to go, your shit for all of his goal kicks. But yes, Lorcan had a point. <laughs>
1: No, no, I think the last thing I was going to say, I think there is somewhat of a, a game state thing going on there as well. We do, um, I mean, naturally we we bomb forward when we need to, when we're chasing a game. Um, we're pretty frantic and emotional team. And I think that works to our advantage as we just saw, you know, like getting two goals in the last two minutes of normal time. Um, at the same time, you're just, you're going to um, concede chances on the other end. But whether there is a macro issue that i mean there might be i i I haven't really thought about it too much i also don't know if there's a
2: macro issue i think the one
1: thing that we've definitely got worse at but that i'm
2: terrible at analyzing is is um set piece stuff i don't know why that suddenly happened but i feel like that's the one thing um but i remember we went through this actually with seb on your first your first part shot seb where seb kind of went through a lot of the points and he also spoke about it being like game states and the fact that we actually have played a lot of better teams and in worse um fixtures for us away from home post world cup compared to before so i'm not sure what the numbers look like now but i think it just does kind of add up into these things and now withholding obviously you were speaking about before i think the numbers are maybe boosting that a little bit worse i'm not so sure but it's obviously it is somewhat of an issue um and then again, with, with regards to conceding the fifth most at home, I was shocked when I heard that. At the time, it was the third most, but then a whole lot of teams played um, on Saturday and Sunday, which made it look a little bit better. So we're, we're level with West Ham and Leicester. Fulham have conceded... Oh, uh, having conceded 21. Fulham have conceded 22. Bournemouth, 23. Leeds and Southampton are both on 30, having con- that they've conceded at home. But I also think maybe that is like a bit of a scare stat because Man City have conceded 15... I know that they've also played two games less than us. I'm not sure. So maybe one less at home. So I think these things maybe do add up and sound like more dire than they actually are. Um, But yeah, I agree. I tend to agree with Lorcan that it comes down to, it's not a macro issue that I've noticed at least, but more individual errors, game states um, happening more at home than it has happened away. And in general, since the World Cup. I'm about to say
0: possibly the least tactico point, the least smart-sounding point that has ever been made on the 28 episodes of this podcast so far. But it just feels like we've had a lot more bozo moments recently. Like, that's the (laughs) one big connecting point running through a lot of the goals we've conceded recently, is just we've done something stupid and been punished for it multiple times in recent weeks. Like, the first two goals in this game both of them come from losing the ball in stupid ways uh, arguably even the third the penalty that we moaned about for five solid mi- five solid minutes last week like it-, it feels like every week we come on this podcast and say we conceded as a stupid goal then another stupid goal then a goal from a corner sounding like frank lampard out here like.
2: <laughs> but but then here's my thing is that i think now we can kind of say the biggest issue is holding. I think we can accept that there've been Bozo moments, maybe from Zinchenko and and Partey. I feel like there've been a lot of recently. Um, Whereas Gabriel actually hasn't really had, and he's generally our Bozo moments guy. Um, But now with, like, basically maybe ahead of City, where we should be moving, is what do we actually do with holding at the back? You know, do we go with the same back four that we have been playing? And I think Arteta probably will. So maybe this is a futile discussion but do we go with holding at right center back because I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to get murdered if we do I just I don't feel confident about it at all or do we make some kind of change and I'm interested what you guys think that change would be yeah Seb so there's two things on this
3: right like I know the past three games have sort of painted our picture of what we think of holding currently but if we take the if we put any stock in the FA Cup game we played against them, he actually came out all right in that game when he went up against Haaland and they primed themselves on what they did at the Emirates as well, which was just booting the ball to Haaland in the challenge more than they ever do in any other game because of our man-to-man press we use against them, and he stood up well to that challenge before being hooked. Um, so there's a part of me that thinks if we put any stock in that whatsoever, that he could replicate that somewhat. Being able to have a physical opponent he can tussle with more than just being stationary in a more possession-based team, right? And the other thing is just really lack of alternatives. Like, there's so little we can do that is actually feasible. Like, I've I've had the thought of maybe using Kiyo on the right-hand side, so we can switch over to the 3.5 Kiyo centrally there, uh, the other option would be Partey at right back, which is also suboptimal. So, as much as we'd like to, there's just not a lot of freedom space there.
0: I think that we have to take holding starting as a given because yeah. defensively, e- even if we we've talked all about these problems in build up, I think there are ways around that. But from a defensive Perspective. I think having holding in is our best. Like that's that's the best way to replace Saliba, even after all of the goals that we've conceded recently. Like I don't see having Partey in as an emergency right back, or having Kivior starting, and having two left left-footed centre backs. All of these alternative solutions just seem like weird things to do that are worse to me my one thing that i really want to see against city and this is more of a solution to the in possession and the, the in build-up problems that we've talked about i really want to see Jorginho start instead of Partey. i don't think he will i mean Arteta's is too scared of their transition power with Holland to not start Partey, but Jorginho is just so much safer on the ball If we're going to be having our holding midfielder drop back and be that important in our early build-up, I just want the guy who's going to lose the ball less, especially against City, where every mistake we make is going to get punished.
2: Okay, here's my thing. First of all, I don't think... I, I think part of the reason why swapping holding out for someone feels like it would be worse is just because we haven't done it yet, but I think that is one of the issues I have with Arteta, is he sticks with things for too long. But yeah, I mean, I do take the one point is that I think Holden can handle Haaland physically better in a sense because body-to-body Saliba always comes out worse against bigger centre-backs. I think Saliba actually had a really good job against Haaland in the first game we played, but then there was that one moment where he got dunked on and we luckily picked up... We got uh, the foul called for us on Saliba, but in another game that doesn't get called and Haaland's in on goal. So I kind of take that one point airily as well. At the same time, Saliba keeps up speed... But I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have holding versus Harlan. I think Pep being a smart coach, especially in terms of making adjustments after seeing how things play out, would be able to kind of find a way to get to take advantage of holding just being an inferior player. So my one idea would be having White there. Um, so who's right back then? Parte. I don't know. I I think Partey. It's it's one way to also keep have Jorginho in the team potentially with a good sort of. Um, support, because the other issues, and I really enjoy Saliba, I mean, not Saliba, I really enjoy Jorginho. The way, like, I've seen what he can do in this team in possession has changed how much I think we can improve in possession. But he also got a bit murdered um, when they started pressing high in the second half against us um, when we played them at the Emirates. And I can see that happening again. Um, he does tend to, to struggle in moments where there is this high press and he has to decide whether to commit or not. So... So that's my issue with um, with Jorginho. But I do like what he can do in possession. Parte frustrates me. Maybe that's a happy marriage. I don't. I agree that there aren't really many other options. I don't like the Zinchenko as right back option that much that people have suggested. But yeah, Lohan, what, what do you think about like how we line up with Holding or Jorginho or parte or whoever?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with some of the points that have been made. I think that... Uh... Maybe this is a a futile discussion practically, but at least um, as an intellectual exercise, I think there's no way holding has to be can can be in this team. I think we get murdered um, if he is. I would do the same thing. I'd have White um, right center back and Party as the, the nominal right back. Um, this is a separate issue, but I think it might be time for Tierney to play again. That's never going to happen. Um, if Sincenko does play. Um, and inverts next to Jorginho you know situationally when Partey does it or he does it you also have that plus one um, of Shaka like coming as in the left back area um, so we can overload the build up a little bit but um, for me like if if holding plays one that transition problem that we were talking about with Jorginho I think that's worse that's worse with holding just because we can't hold a line um, and two I just think as City are the best off-ball team in the league I don't there were several moments in the game where um, against Southampton, you know, of all teams, where Holding just punted it long. Whereas, you know, I hate to say it, but like Saliba would have taken it down, recycled and stuff. Um, I don't think we... I mean, I'm going to go in as like this tribal fan. We're going to win the league, blah, blah, blah. But I think if Holding starts, I just don't see a way we can start, we can win.
0: So my one question to both of you then is why do you guys think... Partey would be a better right-back than holding as a
1: centre-back? Uh, well, I mean, I think Partey, it's, it's probably good to point out that Partey has played right-back and was a right-back at one point for Atletico. Again, he has a, almost a different profile now. He's been, um, He's been—he's, you know, he's a different player. Um, I also think, put simply, the centre-back is closer to goal and in central channels. So if you lose the ball there and make a mistake, um, you, I mean, you have more responsibilities. Um, obviously we're not going to be asking Partey to be be doing what White does just because he doesn't have the legs to be bombing down um, the touchline. So I think, I mean, and also I'm of the belief if you use fullbacks, you know, as they use conventionally these days, that's, I mean, it's not too far off what Partey does in terms of, um, you know, supporting the pivot in possession, um, receiving on the half turn from centre backs. I don't think it would be too far a departure from what Partey does already um, and might even get him out of the, Um, situations where he's completely fucked up recently
2: yeah especially under pressure I think when he has half a pitch that he doesn't have to worry about so much so it makes him much better because he is very good at taking those touches and moving out it's more about the awareness of who's on him I I agree with most of the points with and I wanted to make the one that he I didn't know that it was Atletico I thought it might have been on his loan but I knew that that he'd played right back before I've never seen him play right back he's in the Europa
3: League actually
2: yeah. Oh, apologies, I didn't remember from there. But yeah, okay. So he has played right back and quite in in relative terms recently. He's played it at the Emirates even, right? Um, yeah, and I, I agree. I think in a lot of ways the role would does. It's not like foreign term. We're not asking him to be like this overlapping like right wing back. We will be asking him to take a lot of touches. I think he he would also invert, and I think that does allow for the option of having someone like Tierney on the left. Maybe also in a way, I think Arteta. Why why we're saying this is a futile discussion is, I think we've kind of accepted that Arteta is conservative in terms of making changes for games like this, but I think yeah. it's the sort of thing that could surprise Pep, who probably does to some extent have his number.
1: Um, and I think it's worth noting. Is sorry. No go. On. No go for it. No, I was just going to say, it's worth noting for all the strengths that City boasts, and it is a lot, um, like one versus one sort of like demons on the touchline is not one. Like, so if in settled defence, you're going to match him up against Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is a wonderful player, but he's not um, someone who you're going to worry about, like, a, I don't know, like a sam Maxima or something um, against Tommy Asu last year. I'm just thinking back to St. James's Park. Um, he's not someone... Um, Jack Grealish and and same with Bernardo Silva on the other side if he plays. They're not someone who's going to beat you touchline. We've
0: we've been talking for a long old time and we've got lots more to say about that City match. So let's have a quick break and we'll come back to Chat City. So, what a lovely break. If we were a podcast that had adverts, you would have heard adverts (laughs) just then. But we're not, so you didn't. Let's talk about the City game in a little bit more detail uh and in fact let's look back at the last time we played them at home to the Emirates when on a recurring theme of this podcast we had some bozo moments and conceded goals and then lost um but before we had some bozo moments and conceded goals we actually played pretty well uh Lorcan what are your memories of our last game against City?
1: Yeah I mean they've just been jogs to be fair um but yeah the um i think the talking point was bernardo left back or that fake left back role um at which and i think saka got the better of him but i think um i think that was a sword that that pep was willing to die on and understandably so um i think we ultimately got the better of them um especially in the first half i seem to remember we only recorded one shot on goal um which is a bit misleading because i i i do feel like we had um, because um, the actually I did look at the what's it called the expected threat or just the the cumulative threat as the and I think it was we were pretty like we matched them throughout um, but as we were saying before I think it was the uh, the in-game substitution made by Pep um, Akanji on for Mahrez, um, that changed sort of the complexion of the game after the <laughs> aforementioned bozo moments <laughs>
2: I may as well just read my notes so we can get into it from the first half, just to back up what Lorcan was saying. But this is notes literally taken from last from the last game. But I said Arsenal dominated first half because of effective man-to-man pressing. But we also but also because City mostly defended in a passive mid block. Um they first tried like a four-three-two-one shape with narrow wingers to mock Zinchenko and Jorginho and close down the center of the pitch, but because of that narrow shape, Arsenal could play around them and access the wingers easily. So I think that kind of backs up that Pep was saying that the issue wasn't actually Bernardo as everybody thought it was, but basically how he used the wingers. And I do remember remember that being an issue because, well, looking at from that point, because I remember we were just managing to get forward a lot, get Saka into obviously favorable conditions versus Bernardo, and they were also giving us a lot of respect that I've never really seen Pep do in that passive mid block, and it made no sense. So we kind of did have the momentum. And then later in the first half, they changed to a more regular 4-4-2, but it wasn't enough to stop us because we still kind of found that free, ma- free man with like effective rotations happening down the left. And then that, that change happened where Mahrez came off, Bernardo moved to the right, and then Ake came on at left back, if I remember correctly. And then in the second half, they basically matched our shape more so in a man-to-man way as well, and then kind of just dominated us with a high press. Um, so alongside the, those bozo moments, which is obviously the Tomiyasu one, then what was it? Um, was it? Was it Gabriel?
1: I think gave the ball away in Harland
2: for the Holland. goal. Yes, but these were these were like bozo yeah. moments that were also really forced out of us. Because for example, like Gabriel, I remember the pass wasn't good, but he was put under, under so much pressure, and at that angles, he's yeah, yeah, he's not fluid with his movement, so he kind of was stuck in trying to make some sort of pass. And I remember Jorginho just wasn't quick enough to kind of cover the spaces. So those goals kind of came from us being overwhelmed as much as maybe individual mistakes. And those things go hand in hand.
0: One of my outstanding memories of our last game against City is how we dominated the ball against them. Alex, you mentioned how they gave us quite a bit of respect, Act actually, sitting off in more of a mid-block and letting us play around them. But it's very unlikely given how successful they were in changing up from that that we'll get that kind of respect at the Etihad Seb do you think we should go there and try and dominate the ball try and impose ourselves on City in that way again or do you think we should take a more reactive approach if you will
3: I think some of that depends on how City approached the game shape wise, right? Like, we had a l- lot of joy against them in pressing man to man, both encounters where they used their, which is now typical 3 2 2 3. Where, and this happened even before then, I remember Brighton coming to the Etihad in one of the first games under Roberto De Zabi and also pressing the man to man. And they, don't really have an answer for playing out there and usually resort hunting the ball to Holland and then going from their second balls and so on. Um, so maybe that's the thing. What, what I found interesting, and this leads back to what Alex uh, said about uh, Arteta not really being the best in-game tactician, was that both in the FA Cup game and the league game, we press at the man-to-man, got a lot of joy out of them that way. And in both games, Pep did the same thing to alleviate some of the pressure we put on them when they were in possession by bringing on Slash, moving Kyle Walker up the field and having him as a sort of wide outlet to play off of. He did that in the FA Cup game and the exact same change in the league game and we didn't react both times. So it'll be interesting to see if if Pep found any new solutions if we were to go there and press them in a similar manner again, or if he would then adjust things. Maybe not in the same way because they've moved things around personnel wise since the point we played them,
1: but yeah. I think he, he likes to target Zinchenko um, with Walker. That's what I noticed the last couple of games, yeah. I think the problem is,
2: is that we kind of know exactly what the formation is going to be. I think Pep does too, and he prepares for those things. The one difference, of course, is actually that instead of Eddie up front, we're going to have Gabby J. And what do you think that that's going to like... How different is that going to be for us? Because I think, obviously, there was an issue maybe in getting that final ball. Not so much an issue with, with Eddie, particularly, last game, but maybe if we build out differently in terms of creating those chances, maybe getting them to the wingers more than to Eddie... For example, like Martinelli hasn't been served when Eddie was in the team. I think he's someone that could be potentially damaging versus them in this game. And then when you have both Martinelli and Saka to focus on, and of course RK might not actually play, and he's the only guy who's properly had Eddie um Saka's number in in like a season, in a year of playing. That could be really a route in.
1: Yeah, I I think it is. I, I think he's meant to be out from what I've heard but um, that's what's actually giving me hope for this game keep being out. Is yes, there an argument to have Trossard over
3: Gabriel Jesus?
2: What would your argument for it being?
3: I don't have one, I'm just putting the, the question out there. If I there think is there one, is. One.
2: There
3: you
1: go. Yeah, I, I thought about it a bit. Like one would be as simple as Trossard was really good um, yeah. and has been really good for us. So like, can we get him in the team? Um I also think, I mean, and also very simply, again, I think Gabriel Jesus is pretty bad, probably one of his worst games um, in the Southampton one. Um, whether, like, he's going to be, t- again, this is such casual talk, but I, I really do believe it, like, whether he's going to be too emotional for the City game as well. Um, I Again, I don't think this factors in too much into Arteta's decision-making, because I think ultimately in the big games we live and die by, um, him and Zinchenko particularly. Um, I think he also ensures a bit more um, connectivity um, than Jesus, which is crazy to say, but I think he's even better probably at, at linking the flanks. And then the last one is, I think one of the chief things you get from playing um, Jesus up front is pressing and, and disrupting the build up, which, is not really an advantage when you can't hold your defensive line. Um, So there could be something about sitting off in a bit of a mid-block, but again I I really, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I've been kind of mulling
0: over Gabriel Jesus in this game in my head because it's like, we haven't seen Jesus play against City yet because of the injuries, right? Like, I can kind of see it from one of two angles. Either in a more positive light, City play so positional, so structured, and Jesus is, basically his entire game is about trying to move people around and get them out of position. So he could be key to us getting through that defense. But on the other hand, if there's any team that's going to know how to deal with Gabriel Jesus, it's the team that played with him and the manager who managed him for, what, five, six seasons? Uh, and where he learned the positional game that we love him for so much. So I'm kind of I, I don't see him being benched by Trossard. To be honest, I, I don't I don't see him not starting. But no, no, it, it'll be interesting to see whether Jesus has City's number or whether he has his. They have his.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm trying, I'm thinking on both in terms of both um, pros and cons. I guess the one that does stick with me is I do think more than most players. Emotional aspect does play into Gabby Jay's mind, so. and
1: zinchenko's as well. Yeah. I think we we kind of did see. We've seen City over the did last did few weeks, eventually. right? Like
3: their their sort of temperament showing up more and more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, earlier in the season, we saw it, and everyone was like, "It's the winning mentality." It's the
2: winning mentality, and then people are like, "Not less positive about it now." It was a concern, I think, from the beginning with Gabby Jay with how much he takes on when he misses a shot. Like, m- a lot of strikers will just not... care. Harland missed that, like, complete miss, I think, in the community shield. And he could not be fucked, like, at all. He was fine. Yeah. And then, you know, he's gone on and scored 100 goals or whatever, ready for City. Um, whereas with Gabby J, he was scoring for fun. Um, and actually with really good finishes to the point where I was like, maybe this finishing thing is a myth. I was wrong. Definitely. <laughs> I was wrong. I see that now. But it's because... When he started missing, then he just starts getting, like, the misses get worse. And I think there is some mental aspect to it with him. Like, maybe because he just, he was scoring, you know, by chance, by variance in preseason, it made his finishing better for a while until he missed one or two. Sorry, Loken, you were saying, though.
1: No, I, I mean, the first thing I was going to say was I was at the Fulham game where it was his first game back from injury. And, like, in the most Gabby Jesus thing ever, he came, link, play with this crazy roulette. Um and then someone pulled it back to him. I think it might have been Trossard And he shot, and you know, I mean, he probably should have scored. It wasn't like a, a tapping or anything, but he missed. And I like, I looked at him after, and he was, like, beside himself. he <laughs> thought like, it was like a World Cup final, and he just missed a through goal. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think he's very emotional about it, which isn't a good sign. Um, as well, I, I, the fact he is, um, he's so good at linking play. He's so compact. He invites so much pressure he can roll a man like he's a proper nine as well in that sense um he does so much work when the up until the point where the ball is in the box um where like if he's carrying it, it you know often the shot will be the final action after mm-hmm. he's done all these things and his body posture just won't be that of someone who's going to strike cleanly through a ball i think like it's as simple as that like sometimes um he just doesn't have you know he he's done so much and he's got to the point of shooting and it's like you know he'll just flail like he'll fall off. He'll fall over often when he shoots as well. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's also there's something definitely in that. Um Yeah, absolutely. Like you think about it a lot of the time. Like Eddie's shot will come from his first, second, or third touch most of yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Gabby's is yeah. most of the time
1: it's coming from his seventh, eighth, ninth touch. Like genuinely. Because Harlan said his perfect game is having five touches and five goals. Like, <laughs> that would be. Gabriel just is good (laughs) now
0: let's go back to Kyle Walker actually uh, because as you guys mentioned he one of the big solutions for Pep in the last couple games against us has been putting Walker on Zinchenko which has caused Zinchenko a lot of problem a lot of trouble but in recent weeks Kyle Walker has found himself phased out of the city side in favour of this much-lauded four centre-back formation that they've been playing, where instead of having... It's been more than recent know, weeks, still, to
2: be fair. I think it's been uh, Yeah, yeah more, more than recent. Yeah, the
0: whole it's, season. Sin,
2: has it yeah, I,
0: I, 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 earlier on it was because of injury, but like since... He could, he could have been playing since the World Cup, but he's not been.
3: Like, yeah. The game after the World Cup was the one where Rico Lewis came and hold that, held down that spot for a while.
2: I haven't watched that much of Walker in their side this season. Maybe that's why I'm getting biased. But I did see a stat recently where he basically is like the worst in the Premier League in terms of 1v1 wins this season, of defenders, which is shocking to me because this is what he's basically made a legacy on. And, you know, guys like Hazard will always speak about, like, the toughest player I've ever played is, like, Walker. So I think there is a sense that maybe he came on in that game because we were struggling to link to Martinelli, um, whereas this game... If he really is struggling so much 1v1, now that we do have Gabby J or Troussard, whoever, there's more linkage in being able to actually access Martinelli. They'd be more reticent to target Zinchenko so much, just for the space left behind, unless they make other, um, obviously, other accommodations. So maybe there's that aspect. I think Martinelli is going to be far more significant this game than he was in the reverse fixture.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like e- even if Walker starts on the as right back, right, you can see John Stones pushing up from a central centre back role, and then them shifting across and having the back three be Fair. Walker, yeah. Diaz, left back.
1: Yeah, because I mean I made the point we were talking just before the podcast that I think um, we might be able to get them um, in the channel areas, especially if Ake is out. Because if you the Ake replacement, I presume will be Laporte. I don't know if Pep, I mean, he certainly has it in him to do some gymnastics and get someone else in there. Um, and then whether it's a Kanji or walk on the other side, but I think, I think we'll be able to target both of those, to be honest.
0: What, what just through um, Saka and Martinelli, or do you think there's anything else other than our wingers being good? That means we'll be able to target those. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: I was talking about as outlets um, in, in our wingers uh, remaining high and wide, However, if, for example, Laporte um plays instead of Ake as the as the nominal left back, then um if we can free sack on that side through rotations, through white overlaps, and that's totally something I we could get um, you know, in, in settled attack as well.
0: Let let's wrap it up, round off uh, the discussion a little bit. So we think the key tactical battles on Wednesday against City are going to be city mullering holding for everything that he's worth and all of the little weaknesses introduced to our game through having holding there like we're gonna get pressed high and build up we're gonna get um targeted someone like harlan's gonna get sicked on him for 90 minutes um so like from a defense's perspective it's like how can we adapt to having holding there instead of saliba can we defend them and from our attacking perspective the key tactical battle will be in the wide areas, will their not full backs, their centre backs that are out there in the wide spaces, can we get at them or are they just going to be able to out physicality us in the way that Sake did to that Sake? Ake did to Saka in the
2: home <laughs> fixture. The one other thing I thought Lorcan, Lorcan made the point, and I hadn't considered this is the fact that what we really did well against them in the first half of the reverse fixtures, how well we pressed them high. I haven't seen city struggle that much against a high press this season. Um, beyond us, but I even have like, I still have that. I've sent it to you Tals, Um, where I have that, like it's like a minute long of us actually pressing them and ultimately forcing a mistake Um, called great sequence. And it's still on my, on my, <laughs> desktop um but we really pressed them well but Lorcan does make a really salient point is that a lot of that had to do with how high our line was and now without that I wonder does Arteta really take those risks on in such a big game in terms of still trying to commit that line or are we going to sit off a bit and actually you know bank on the fact that we do still have for everything we still have a very Um, cohesive defensive unit that can be really hard to break down and they don't necessarily have those wide playmakers that can disrupt us if we keep a good shape. So that'll also be an interesting battle.
1: Yeah. I think as well, like the last line will be even more important because if they play their box midfield, they'll have, which, you know, they will, they'll have Gundogan and um, De Bruyne either side of Haaland, Mm. which means one of our centre-backs, I think it'll be Gabriel, our left centre-back, will have to engage their um, their De Bruyne in this case. It was, same as which last means, game. He pushed up yeah. right high, yeah. And we had Saliba to protect which, that. Yeah, which means, I mean, that's just... Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty important, I feel like. <laughs> uh, which
0: comes back to the question that I asked right at the top, right? Which is, do we go at City in the same way that we did at home or are we going to sit off a little bit more because if we are going to try and take the game to them then the high line as mentioned is kind of intrinsic to that whereas if we're going to be a little bit more protective of our back line then the compactness in our midfield is really important and we're going to have to pull back our front line to compensate and we'll naturally end up trying to hit them in transition more so Lorcan, what do you think? Do you think we're gonna try? Do you think we're gonna try the high line, or do you think we're gonna sit back?
1: I think Arteta will will surrender to the idea that we're not gonna have that much of the ball, or, or have nearly as much as the ball the first um, game, which is, I guess, not saying much because we had sixty four percent. I think we will try and engage the man to man situationally, but not too much. I I hope as well because. As much as I feel like we need to, I just think, I mean, to come full circle, I think there's no way we can if we have holding in the team. Um, So in an ideal world, we do meet the man-to-man, press fairly high without holding, but if holding's in the team, I don't think we should, and I don't think we will necessarily either.
2: I kind of disagree. I think we will, even if we shouldn't, and this is a seeming holding place, I'm... I buy Lorcan's logic for why we don't, but I think Arteta is... It's something also about the mentality of the team and now that we do need a win, I think he is someone who will say, like, we're going to go out there and force that win and that's not necessarily surrendering tactics to to kind of best get it, but kind of going with the same thing that, you know, we've, we've toppled every... We've turned over every team this season. I think Arteta buys into that sort of mentality and in terms of how you approach matches so i think we will still press high even if and try to dominate through that even if we do have holding um but i don't know if we should and i don't know maybe maybe i'm completely wrong this is definitely like very speculative because we've also he's managed to convince and had us you know do very well with 10 men versus city sitting off um and obviously 11 men as well so so maybe i'm maybe i'm being too speculative about that aspect as to what we should do I think if we I think we shouldn't have holding I think we should have parte right back Ben White um and then Jorginho there and then I'd even honestly consider having Tierney I'm not I'm not only really thought about that for the first time while on the pods so I've not settled an idea there but I think if we do have that sort of formation set up I mean lineup set up then we can really play that and win because I think we we do have the quality to do that Especially, I think our wide players and attack are going to be very important. So, we can kind of bank on that. Um, yeah. Seb, so, do you have thoughts?
3: All right. So, it's, it's it's interesting. I think we're able to do the high press sort of withholding because, simply because we've already done it before, right? Like, we did the exact same thing in the FA Cup game at the Etihad withholding in there. It's not my preferred option. To, to say the least, I still think the best option would be Partey, right back, Jorginho in there, and maybe even Tierney on the left. But again, I I, I don't actually think we'll do any of that. I think we're going to go with a similar disposition we had in the last two games, just withholding in there and work from there.
0: I, I think I agree. I think for me... A couple weeks ago, I was looking ahead to this podcast, because it's always been a big one in our schedule, and thinking about how I was going to come in here and talk about how this is the first game of the season which is must-must-not-lose rather than must-win, and how I wanted us to sit back and hit City on the counter, whereas in every other game this season I've advocated for us to try and play our own game, and then we've drawn three games in a row, so that's gone completely out the window. We do... Like, like drawing this game is almost as bad as losing it in a way that just was not true in any way, shape, or form a couple weeks ago. So before Southampton. Yeah, before Southampton yeah. even. Like, we have to take the game to City. There's how, no how way around it, I think, there? my thoughts. We're five
3: points ahead with them having two games in hand. Right. So... If we even draw, we're it's not in our hands yeah, anymore.
1: Yeah, because I I I do think like Gary Gary Neville of all people said. Oh no, I think it's Jamie Carragher said this. But like, if we're let's say it's like one one in the eighty fourth minute, I think it would be stupid to launch everything at it. Like we do want everything to be in our control. I get that, but if they do win, that's it over. Whereas if
2: that's
1: if true. it's a draw, then it's not in our hands. But like. Hmm.
0: They could fuck up. Whereas also, if
1: we lose, it's all
0: theirs. Yeah. Like, we're just throwing our hands yeah. up. Yeah. And and I don't actually believe in
3: this notion that they're unbeatable. Oh, no. In their current form, they won't drop any more points and go... What are they now? Eight for eight, then? Yeah.
1: It feels that way, but yeah, of yeah. course.
2: Like... They're not, but, like, it's City at the same point. So, I for my own nerves, I don't want to <laughs> have to go through the rest of the season... Hoping that at some point this like juggernaut three point machine doesn't get three points, I think that might kill me. So for my own sake, I hope that we aren't left in that position. But I do agree. I also think from an emotional aspect that could really fuck us if, um, say, we try to push for a win. I don't think we should like one one ten minutes to go. Even if we're like on the up and they're struggling a little bit, then suddenly pushing forward and then we lose. I think that would be really tough even for what I would say is a very mentally strong squad it would be very tough to to come back from and from a points perspective it would obviously pretty much be done at that point as well um yeah so I think 1-1 wouldn't be bad wouldn't be terrible but it would still firmly put us as second favorites for the title
0: Oh, well, according to most people, we're already second favourites to the title. We already spot, are to, to be fair. But that's yeah. because we haven't beaten City yet. So let's go, let's go, fucking do it, boys! Rousing speech, From heart, heart drawing, mind drawing. <laughs> uh, that's the type of speech. I know, what, that got City fired, music, so. yeah. <laughs> whatever City music they have playing in the stadium, <laughs> playing in the changing ground. Let's go, let's go, get her done. Beat Man City, and then we can waltz home to the title let's wrap up this pod i think absolutely (laughs) it's been a mammoth podcast Uh, and we are of course going to finish with a question from the trivia book Uh, we've been talking a lot about managers in this podcast so i think it's only fair to ask a question about arsenal managers who was arsenal's first professional manager a william elcote b phil kelso c george morel or moral or d thomas mitchell Lorcan as the guest. You get to go first. <laughs>
1: I have absolutely no idea. Um, I'm going to go with D, Thomas Mitchell.
0: Alex uh, Collins. Who are the names again? A, William Elcote. B, Phil Kelso. C, George Morell or Morrell, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Or D, Thomas
2: Mitchell. I'm going to go for A. I think it's George Elcote. I I don't know at all, but it just it feels like it could be right.
0: And finally, Mr. Sebhund.
2: Muffas and Sync was also D.
0: Well, I, I am glad to report that the scores are 2-1 <laughs> to Lorcan and Seb. The answer is D. Thomas Mitchell was the first professional manager of Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Pot Shot this week. We will be back next week with an On The Whistle review of the City game. This is going to be a first for the pod. As soon as the game is over, we are going to sit down together and record, give our immediate thoughts on it. I'm genuinely really excited for it because I, I'm i not sure how many City games I'm going to get to watch live in the run-in. So I'm quite looking forward to being able to get down, get get down a, a local establishment, watch the game with my friends, and then come home and record with you guys. So... It's going to be a big week. It's going to be an important week, but it'll either be the worst
2: sure or the best part we've recorded. So yeah. from a feelings perspective. Oh, of yeah. Yeah. From an emotions
0: perspective. Absolutely. Uh, from a content perspective, probably also true. <laughs> <laughs> Just the other way around. <laughs> oh yeah. Lorcan. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. You provided us with some incredible insight. If people want to find more of you, where can they do so?
1: Um, on Twitter probably Um, my handle is LXWrites1 amazing, that will be in the description I
0: highly recommend going to check out Lorcan, he tweets about all of this stuff, all of the time, uh, and gives, honestly, gives Alex and I half of the ideas that we come up with and chat about, so (laughs) I highly recommend giving Wilkin a follow for potshot Spoilers, essentially. Uh, Thank you, as always, to Alex and Seb for being on with me. Again, I've said, as always, when we've only recorded together once, you know what? It's fine. (laughs) It's fine uh thank you to james blake for making the music you can find him on all good music platforms at jw blake thank you to you for listening leave a like leave a review if you've enjoyed the podcast Uh, and we will see you as soon as we can get the podcast out after the city match wish us luck cheers